Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Amen. Good morning. My name is Pastor Aaron, Senior Pastor of West Hill. So glad that you're here. Glad that you joined us. Children are dismissed for Children's Church. We hope you have a great class as they run out excited and ready to go. If only all of you ran in here that excited and ready for your lesson. I don't have candy in here, but there is candy outside. So next week, grab a piece of candy on your way in and maybe that'll help you be excited. We won't have treats like they will have in class, uh, but uh, our treat is the Word of God and we'll feed on that today. If you have the Bible, your uh, Bible in front of you, if you would, please turn to it or grab your phone and you can scroll to it, the book of Jonah. We're in the third chapter today, and as we walk through this third chapter, I'm excited to uh, walk through it with you and to read through it. We'll read through it, and then I want to take a moment and just show you the parallel between chapter 1 and 2, and then verses, or chapter 3 and 4. Um, to show us that, and then we'll dig into chapter 3 after that, and then see what God has uh, for us. If you're visiting with us in uh, your bulletin, hopefully you grabbed one, um, there's a communication card. I hope that you'll fill that out, and you can put that in the offering plate uh, later in the service. And then I want to challenge us, we'll come back to this a little bit later, but uh, our next step, as you hear the Word of God today, um, I believe that God wants us not just to be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of the Word, and so may that be a motivation, we'll come back to that in a little bit, but you can find that and keep that close to you. So Jonah chapter 3, we're going to read through it, it'll be up on the screen uh, for you if you don't have a Bible in front of you. Um, But if you do have a Bible, I encourage you to read it there in front of you. Follow along. I'll be reading from the ESV. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against, against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 6, The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are thankful to be in this place and to hear your word and to be able to lift up our voices in praise. We are not perfect people, but we serve a perfect God. We have a perfect Savior. Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask that you would come and that you would meet with us in this place, 
that your spirit would move in our minds and our hearts, challenge us, convict us, encourage us, and strengthen us that we may be stronger in our faith and, Lord, that our walk with you would be closer. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me first show you, uh, as we look at now this, um, the second part of Jonah, and uh, I want to show you a couple parallel uh, items here as we look at chapter 1 and 2 and kind of review, but then as we look at chapter 3 and 4 and, and the great similarities that we have. So the first scene, scene 1, is, is this idea that, that here's Jonah and he's dealing with the pagan uh, men who are on the boat and then the, the leader of that boat um, is there and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's then the sea. So we see Jonah, the pagans, and the sea. Chapter one, chapter two, or chapter three. Now we see um, scene number two: Jonah, the pagans, and the city. Okay, so it's kind of replaced the sea and the city are replaced, but there's very close similarities. Next, we'll see in this scene one we see that Jonah uh, and God's word. All right, so with that, in verse one of chapter one, we see that God's word came to Jonah. In verse 2, the message was conveyed uh, to him. And verse 3, the re- we see the response of Jonah. And, uh, and so then we see the, in scene number 2, got Jonah and God's word. Chapter 3, verse 1, same, same parallel uh, layout for us. God's word came to Jonah. Uh, the message was conveyed. And then the response of Jonah. All right. And then we're going to see next Jonah and God's word. Um, we see how that is displayed. So chapter 1, verse 4, we see the word of warning, um, the response of the pagans. We see the response of the pagan leader. And then we see how the pagans' response was ultimately better than Jonah's. So that's chapter 1. Then we fast forward, and we see Jonah and God's word in chapter 3. The word of warning The response of the pagans, what we just read, the response of the pagan leader, and then chapter 3, verse 7, how the pagans' response was ultimately better than Jonah's. And then we see here how in chapter 2 then, uh, same scene, same uh, scene number 1, Jonah and God's grace. uh, Chapter 2 was how God taught grace to Jonah through the fish. And then we see, we'll see next week, the beginning of it in chapter 4, how God taught grace to Jonah through the plant. And so I just wanted to show that to you so that you can see this isn't just some fable that was quickly written and put together. This is actually a great piece of literature that when you start looking a little bit deeper, there's great parallels that help teach us and show us some deeper things. And one of them is God's grace and God's mercy And I think one of them today that we're going to look at is also judgment. And judgment is a real thing. And so we want to dig into chapter 3 here. And as we do that, um, I just want to walk, we'll walk through it verse by verse. And just I want to highlight a few things. And uh, and maybe, just maybe I'll be a little short today. No amen. So maybe I'll go longer. Verse 1 is this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. All right. It reminds me again of... uh, Maybe you're like me, maybe not. When I see this, uh, we serve a God of second chances. And, and, and I'm so thankful for that. 
God's given Jonah a second chance. And I don't, I, I don't need a second chance. I need the thousandth and, and 21th chance. Uh, and, and God still wants to use Jonah, and God still wants to use us. And so as we look at this, we see that even in our shortcomings and even in Jonah's shortcoming, God still desires to use him. And God desires to use you and me as well. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Again, kind of referencing back to chapter 2, when Jonah is willing to go and he has made vows and is willing to go sacrifice, I think that's kind of a, in, in my mind, I kind of see that as he's willing to go back to Jerusalem. And God is reminding him here in chapter 3, uh, in the first verse, the, the first two verses, hey, I don't want you to go to Jerusalem, I want you to go to Nineveh. And let me tell you, that's where I want you to go. And so he reminds Jonah the call that he has and in verse 2 there, to go to the great city. But there's a little bit different wording here and in, in what we see at the end of chapter 2 versus the verse 2 of chapter 1. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 1, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, um, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up against me. And in chapter 3, verse 2, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. And so here God is being very specific and saying, Jonah, I want, I want to work through you, but I'm going to tell you what to say this time. And so um, Jonah arises in verse 3, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And so here, here's Jonah being obedient He's walking with the Lord. He's doing what the Lord has asked. Um, Don't skip to chapter 4, all right, in my little paragraph that I wrote in the the bulletin there, which if you don't read that, let me encourage you to do that when you come in each Sunday morning. Uh, There's a little paragraph in the bulletin, and that just helps prep you in your mind and in your heart of where we're going to go for the Sunday morning. Mainly what I'm saying is don't skip to chapter 4 because we know the end of the story. We're going to focus on chapter 3 here. And so Jonah is being obedient to God at this point. And so he arises, um, and then we get some background again of Nineveh. It was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Um, It was long. It was big. We kind of covered that earlier in in our study here, so I'm not going to dig more into that. Uh, Verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. And this is what he says. This is what's recorded for us in Scripture. It says, And yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Was that all that Jonah said? I have a feeling that Jonah probably said more just because of what the people, um, how they responded, and how the king responded. But we have for us, this is what we know what was said. All right? Um, 40 days, and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Notice what chapter 5, the first part of chapter 5 says. What does it say? The people of Nineveh believed God. Jonah was walking obediently. One of the things that I want to take away today for you is that when we walk obediently with God, he wants to use us. He wants to use you. And so if you're obedient to God, he's going to use you. You may not see it. You may not want to see it. That's part of Jonah's problem. But God is using Jonah, and the message that he shared, God was working. 
If you do some historical background of the, of the city of Nineveh, um, it's interesting to see there's kind of, at this time in history, there's kind of been a split and, and a division amongst the king and who was the king and then his two um, children and who he appointed to be the next king of Assyria. And there's a division there. And so was it during this time that the people were fearful because of other nations having the possibility of coming in? Um, there are said to be other um, uh, like earthquakes and other, other issues that are going on for the people. Um, all I know is this, that God didn't have to work in the background that we, that, we, uh, that we don't necessarily maybe have, but maybe are in historical books. What we have here is that God ultimately was working in the hearts of the people of Nineveh to draw them to him so, that they, so it would say that they believed in God. And sometimes we don't see that as God calls us to be obedient, to go and as we walk obediently and we use our speech or we say something um, to somebody that God asks us to do, whether that's a word of encouragement or we take an act of love where we go and serve somebody and we do something for them, we don't know the response. But ultimately, we can, we can take great hope and great peace in the sovereignty of God. The fact that God is so big, he's working behind the scenes. And so when I read the historical part of Nineveh, it kind of gave me a picture that, okay, God is so big, he's working in so many different ways to, to make sure that when Jonah came and brought the message, they were ready to hear it. And, and sometimes we become impatient, especially with uh, family members that we want to come to know the Lord or family members who have walked away from the Lord and, and we become impatient and we tell them and it's like falling on deaf ears. And yet, take great hope and great courage that, that God is still working, that he is truly sovereign and in control of all things. I, I think it's a, it's a term that we often use the sovereignty of God. Oh, God, I believe God is sovereign. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to live life that way. And to say and to view God and to truly believe that he is that big, that I don't have to worry, that I don't have to be consumed with all that's going on, that God is in charge and I can trust him. He's got it. And what he's called me to do is to walk with him and to be obedient. And when we do walk with him and we are obedient, in the right time, God will reveal those blessings. And we see that blessing here. We'll see in chapter 4 how Jonah responds to that, but we're not going to talk about that today. We see that God is at work. And so they called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. This was a call for the people of Nineveh, no matter what their age was, no matter what their social um, it was, a, it was a combined effort. And again, when you do some historical reading of the city of Nineveh and the people, the Assyrian people, um, they had different classes. Uh, there, were, there were those who were the mighty warriors. Those, there were those who were the haves and those who were the have-nots. And yet we see in Scripture here, there, there is a coming together of all of them to repent. This was a, a, these actions that the, the author writes for us, 
the people of Nineveh believed God and they called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. That was a call to humble themselves. Did they humble themselves because they were fearful they were going to lose their life? That their city would be attacked and be gone? I don't know the intention of man's heart. All I know is what God's word tells me. And do you read in chapter 5, verse 1, what does it say? The people believe God. They, they believed God. Verse 5, chapter 3, the people believed God. Let's go on to verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. We see throughout the Old Testament, this action is very real in humbling oneself before God the creator. Verse 7, and he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. This is what the, the proclamation was. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. There, there is a fear factor here of, for their life. As I was studying this, I think um, it was a reminder for me kind of of uh, maybe, maybe you grew up with it, maybe you've heard it, uh, the hellfire and brimstone sermons. Anybody have those before in their past? Anybody heard those um, you don't hear too many of those here. Uh, every once in a while, I get a little fired up. But, uh, but a lot of those had to do with the judgment of God. And I think we miss a little bit of that today. And uh, as I was reading uh, one of the, the books that I told you that I've been, that's been helpful to me is Tim Keller, the, and he calls it The Prodigal Prophet. And I want to read to you just um, a, a section where he is going to talk about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And I think it's something for us as, as Christians that we need to be reminded of. We want to feel good. We want to be encouraged. We want to see the mercy of God. But the people of Nineveh um, didn't have that message. Their message was one of judgment. And ultimately, that message of judgment called them to repentance called them to humility uh, with God. This is what Tim Keller says. He says, God has created the world so that cruelty, greed, exploitation have natural and uh, disingrative consequences that are a manifestation of his anger towards evil. Talking about, here's the city of Nineveh, and when you have these evil people doing evil things, they will ultimately fight and bite one another and destroy one another. I think we see some of that in our own nation today. That's part of God's judgment and God's anger. He, gets, he goes on to say this, to work against social injustice and to call people to repentance before God interlocked theologically. I'll read it again. To work against social injustice and to call people to repentance before God interlocked 
theologically. And then this is what he says about Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. did not make the mistake of separating the call for social justice from belief in a God of judgment. In his, quote, letter from a Birmingham, Birmingham jail, he responded to the question of how he can advocate civil disobedience, the breaking of some laws, in this case, laws of racial segregation. He answered that some laws are unjust. And this is what he says. This is the quote. One has not only a legal but a moral responsibility to obey just laws. Conversely, one has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. I would agree with St. Augustine that, quote, an unjust law is no law at all, end quote. Now, what is the difference between the two? How does one determine whether a law is just or unjust? A just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or the law of God. An unjust law is a code that is out of the harmony with the moral law. Here there is no separation between working of justice in a society and then declaring the displeasure of a just God. Keller goes on to say, in his great I Have a Dream speech, Dr. King did not appeal to modern secular individualism. We hear that today, don't we? I have these rights. I have a dream. It's all about me. That's what Dr. King didn't mean that. What he didn't what he did not say, quote, all should be free to define their own meaning in life and moral truth. No, that's not what Dr. King said. This is what he said. Rather, he quoted scripture and he called his society to, quote, let God's justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. From Amos 5, verse 24. When we look at Jonah, this third chapter, for me, it does a couple things. I think we see the work and the mercy of God and how far it can reach. That it's not separated by class, it's not separated by people, it's not separated by who I think should have the love of God and who I don't think should have the love of God. Now, I don't want you to dwell on this, but I want you to think about a person that you're really having a difficult time with. A pagan person, somebody who doesn't know Jesus, that you're really struggling with. And I want you to pray for them right now. And I want you to know that they need the love of Jesus. There's times where we see and we read in the newspaper, we see in the news, we make judgments, we make classifications in our mind. And we've been good at doing this, and we don't talk about it often, except with humor usually. But we're very judgmental people as Christians. And this shows me, as Jonah is going to wrestle in chapter 4, but we see the mercy and the love of God, that God would relent in his anger. I'm not going to get into the theological discussion as, can God change his mind? What does, this, what does the text tell us? God relented. God was going to destroy them. And because... They repented and turned to him. He didn't. That's what the verses tell me, right? So is there anybody who is too 
far gone. I don't know because I'm not God. And you don't know either. And so God calls us to display hope, to display love, to display mercy, to ultimately share the message of hope. And that message of hope is Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus came to this earth and he died on a cross. He took our sin, the sin that we deserve to be punished for and separated from God forever in a real place called hell. Jesus took our punishment, died on the cross. He was buried and he conquered sin and death. He rose three days later and he is the one who we can call Savior because he saves us from our sin. And the people of this world, no matter what nation, no matter what tribe, no matter what nationality, no matter what the color of their skin, no matter what their family background is, no matter what they're doing or not doing, every person is made in the image of God and they deserve for us to display the love of Jesus Christ and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Do you, do you agree with that? That's the question. It's the same thing with the sovereignty of God. Oh, yes, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Amen. But, Pastor, you're telling me to love these people? Remember how we laid out this book in the beginning. Who is Jonah? Jonah is a prophet who has aligned himself with the king of Israel. They're buddies. The Syrians are the enemies. They're people who are slaughtering and putting people on the wall, staking dead bodies to show off as warriors. When you talk about pagans and worldly people, the Ninevites are right up there. And here God calls Jonah to tell them a message. And his first response is, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to run the opposite way. So God aligns a great fish, and in the belly of that fish, Jonah and God have a heart-to-heart. And when Jonah comes out, he is responding obediently to the message of God to go and to tell. But there are still parts of his heart that aren't still aligned, but God is still working ultimately to call the people of Nineveh to repentance. And I believe this book is a call to us to walk obediently with God. And when God tells us to do something, we need to do it. I don't know that I need to call down the hellfire and brimstone and get that fired up and start pounding things. But we need to understand that when we look at at the call of repentance and the mercy and the grace and the love of God, there's also this other aspect, and that is the judgment of God. That every single person who walks the face of this earth, will stand before God. We will give an account. I stand thankful and amazed because I stand before God. And when I stand before God, it will be because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness that I stand, not my own. But I still give an account for how I lived my life. And those who are walking in this world who do not have Jesus as their righteousness, we need to display love. We need to display mercy and grace. But we cannot be afraid to talk about the judgment of God. 
that there is a real place called hell. And for those who choose to abandon their creator, for those who choose not to have faith in a God who so lovingly came to this earth and gave his life for them, if those people choose to reject that, then they need to know what the consequence is. The consequence is eternity of punishment, of weeping and gnashing of teeth, of separation from a holy God. There is, in fact, real judgment coming. Don't lose sight of that this week. And our hearts should break when we think of the people who may, as of today, experience that judgment. Who don't have the hope of Jesus. And that should cause us to beg God to have mercy on them. To beg God to work in their life so that their eyes would be opened as ours have been opened. Jonah just shared the message. That's all he did. Sometimes it's as easy as that for us to share the message of Jesus. Sometimes we make it too complicated. Don't do that. Just be obedient to the Lord. Walk with him and listen to his spirit as he guides you and tells you. When he says speak, speak. When he tells you to be quiet, close your lips. I have a hard time of doing that sometimes. I say, yeah, because you're a Baptist preacher. Yeah. When he says do something, you do it. In verse 10, and as I finish here, I don't want you to miss this. God saw what they did. God had seen their evil, but God had seen their response. The response of Jonah's message. God saw what they did. How they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he didn't do it. I think sometimes we look at... um, people in this world and we think they're getting off, those who are pagans and who have life really good and as Christians, um, sometimes we are judgmental in our thinking and thinking, man, how come they have life so good? Listen, judgment is coming for them. Ultimately, we have a, a, a great opportunity to walk with our Lord now and in heaven. So don't lose sight but also don't be judgmental of those who God may grant a little favor now because their final outcome is not what we get to experience. But also, may we never be people when we see the mercy of God far-reaching. May we never be people, see it cut out again, may we never be people who get tired of, 
or get frustrated or get angry and get mad because God chose to save somebody that we felt didn't deserve it. Again, put yourself in Jonah's place. These are the enemies. These are the worst of the worst people. And now God's not going to do what he said he was going to do. We'll look at chapter 4 next week. In your bulletin on the tab, there's a call there for my next steps. An opportunity to memorize the verse of the month. Psalm 16, verse 11. I love that. That psalm is, it speaks of walking with the Lord in his presence. There's an opportunity for you to think, and if you would, just take a minute there and think about this. When I have been obedient to the Lord, I have seen him do what? What have you seen God do as you've seen him work through your obedience? Be reminded of that. Be encouraged by that. God desires to use us, and he wants to work in us and through us. The third there is, when I think of the mercy of God, it motivates me to what? God has shown us mercy. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's given you a whole new life, an eternal life. And when you think of the mercy of God that's been extended to you, how does that change your life? How does that motivate you? What does that motivate you to do today or this week? I believe that God calls us to be people of action, not just people of thought or people of words, but God wants us to live the gospel. And so when you think of the mercy of God, it motivates you to do what? And write it down. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this opportunity of being in your word. I want to thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. I don't, I don't deserve to be saved. In fact, I deserve opposition, the opposite. I deserve, because I was in opposition of you, I was an enemy of yours, um, I deserve to be separated from you for all of eternity. But I'm thankful that even in the midst of being an enemy, Lord, you saved me. Christ died for me. He took my penalty, my, my sin, my shame, and he bore it all on the cross. And so that I can stand and we can stand as followers of Christ and that we can thank you and we can live our lives in such a, a reminder, in such a way that displays your mercy we can display how great and how awesome you are. Lord, forgive us when we judge people wrongly. Forgive us for treating certain people unjustly, for coming to wrong conclusions, for failing to see people as you see them. I pray, Lord, that we would be people who would not only experience the mercy and the love of God, but, Lord, we would also be unashamed to share about the judgment 
of your judgment that's pure and right and just. And Lord, may that cause people around us in our nation to respond as the Ninevites did, to fall on our faces before a holy and righteous God begging and pleading for your forgiveness. Lord, how we need you. Every hour, we need you. Thanks for not giving up on us, even in our failures. Thanks for being an awesome God. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.